Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. We'll continue with our discussion of Srila Jiva Goswami's Paramatma Sandarbha. We're reaching the end. We're on the 105th Anucheda, and at this stage in the Sandarbha, Srila Jiva Goswami is bringing forth uh, the validity of the acceptance of the Srimad Bhagavatam as relevant to the Gaudiya Vaishnavas and relevant to all Vaishnav Sampradayas by tying it back into the Vedanta Sutra. So he's bringing out the Vedanta Sutra is part of the uh, Prathana Trayi, the, the evidences that are used by all Sam, Vaishnav Sampradayas uh, to substantiate the scriptural evidences that substantiate the philosophy of the Vaishnavas' worship of God. So they accept the topmost Upanishads. Then, of course, the commentary on the Upanishads, Vedanta Sutra. From there, they also accept Bhagavad Gita. So this Prasthanatrayi is the primary evidential body of literature that scripture that they accept and upon which they have uh, formulated their practice and their, their their understanding and their practice of spiritual life, their pursuance of uh, a spiritual objective in life. So here Jiva is, it's extraordinary. We first have to understand this acceptance of the Srimad Bhagavatam as the primary praman or spiritual um, literature upon which a lineage is based is unique. Unique in, in the history of Vaishnavism. Uh, of course, to us it's natural, having come into contact with Krishna consciousness, the way we have as students of Gaudiya Vaishnavism it's a foregone conclusion. Well, we you study the Srimad Bhagavatam, everything's there. But that is not the case with all Sampradayas. And it was not really the case until the advent of Sri Shaitanya Mahaprabhu. So this is relatively recent in history. Although we find in the Srimad, of course, the Srimad Bhagavatam did exist as a major Purana but it wasn't, well, we could say 5,000 years ago, Srila Vyasadeva recompiled it under the direction of Narada. But still, from 5,000 years ago to 500 years ago, it still did not, it did not pick up that significance as a primary spiritual text upon which traditional understanding and practice was based. So it's not until the advent of Sri Shaitanya Mahaprabhu, I mean, there's some mention that Balava gave, Balavacharya gave some, but here again we're talking about contemporary of Sri Shaitanya Mahaprabhu. So the Balava Sampradaya also gives some significance to the Bhagavat Purana, but not, not as much as the Gaudiya's. So it's good. I mean, studying 
Srila Jiva Goswami Sandarbhas as we are, it's significant to, to see what what his what duty he's taken up under the direction of Rupa and Sanatan Goswami in establishing the validity of the Srimad Bhagavatam in his Sandarbhas. So he's he's brought out and the essence of the Bhagavatam, and by bringing that out, of course, he's established all the the tenets of of an understanding of the Supreme Godhead and Sambandha Gyan in general, uh, using the Bhagavatam as the primary praman. But now he's also allowing us as students to see there's nothing that you you're going to find in the Vedanta Sutra that isn't thoroughly covered in the Bhagavatam. Now, he's going to, not going to do an exhaustive study of that. Uh, there are other Vaishnavas that have come. Even of late, we've heard that Haridas Shastri uh, has compiled a, a literature wherein he's shown every sutra of the Vedanta Sutras or the Brahma Sutra as existing within the, Bhag, the Bhagavat Purana. To my knowledge, that work isn't available in English yet, but we would be hopeful that it would be so soon. Uh, it would certainly be a, a great contribution uh, to the Western Gaudiya community to be able to have that. Now, sometimes, even to take up the study of the Siddharvas, one may think, well, this is, what's the necessity of this? We already accept the Bhagavatam. We read from the Bhagavatam. We understand the Bhagavatam. We can see after a lot of classes we've had here that there's some real value in utilizing the approach that Jiva's introduced us to through his Sandarvas. So even when we're reading the Bhagavat now, although we may not know all the details of everything that Jiva Goswami has has said up to this point, concluding the Paramatma Sandarbha and about to enter into the Krishna Sandarbha, we may not remember all the specific details, but I guarantee all of you that your reading of the Bhagavat Purana has been greatly nourished. You now have a lot more grasp of the text, the Srimad Bhagavatam. And you can enter more deeply into your reading of the Bhagavatam and your understanding of the Bhagavatam. And that's what Jiva Goswami has, has contributed to us, just in hearing what he has to say, what to speak of remembering it and you know, applying it in every circumstance, but it's it's a matter of repeated hearing. These it changes. We have to accept the fact that spiritual revelation and realization is an ongoing process. And it's not a intellectual process. We don't have to have a big brain. We don't have to have an excellent memory. 
of course, we have fine Vaishnavs who have excellent memories and big brains, but, you know, maybe we don't, maybe we're not there. It's okay. It's all right. That's what distinguishes the Gaudiya Vaishnavs from Madhva. I mean, even our understanding is the full potential is there irrespective of karmic background to advance in spiritual life. Madhva doesn't accept that. Madhva takes those verses in the Bhagavad Gita that talk about, you know, about being in the mode of goodness, passion, and ignorance. And he says, and there's three kind of jivas that have these inherent potentials. And because of those inherent potentials, only one who is a sattvic jiva can enter into spiritual life and hope to attain moksha or devotion to the Supreme. If you're a tamasic or a rajasic jiva, yeah, all bets are off. You're just you're stuck here. Yes, you're destined to stay in the material world eternally. These are different understandings that different lineages have. Now, I'm sure if you would read Madhva's Bhashya or the, you know, on the Vedanta Sutra, he'd have some logical, you know, explanation. Well, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, and then he would he would take those verses and put them through you know, forth as, as some evidence in that regard. But times moved forward and we have been blessed with a what I feel a more profound understanding, which has opened a window of opportunity to people like us born in the Western world, definitely from the sattvic contingent of jivas would be looked as beyond help. (laughs) But we'll take the help from wherever it comes and it has been offered. We accept that jivas are uniform and karma can change Mm -hmm. and our hearts can change. So we go with that. Even if it's wrong, well, it feels good. So if it feels good, do it in spiritual life. So if your chanting feels good, chant more. Your reading feels good, read more. Whatever you do, just keep in your spiritual life. It's okay. This makes us feel good that we're, we can rise up to the sattva goon and then practice chanting nicely. Then we'll try to rise up. And in the meantime, we'll still chant. So that's our philosophy. Whatever the outcome, well, it's not in our hands anyway, is it? We can only do what we can do and throw our arms in the air and and hope for mercy. So we've started here. And in this 105th Anuchet, as I said, it it has many subsections. It's been broken apart just to help us digest it. It is a very long Anucheta. And we covered in the last discussion the beginning part. And we'll continue where we left off there. Now, one of the things we did cover is the fact that 
there are certain criteria by which a book can be, what the main subject of a work can be ascertained by certain criteria. So Jiva Goswami is, is going to show us that the Bhag, the, the Srimad Bhagavatam, the Bhagavat Purana, about one main subject, Bhagavan, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Now we've already gone over the fact that one of those criteria is that the opening and the concluding statements of a work will correspond. So we went over that. And now he's kind of switching subjects a little bit, going into an analysis and a comparison between the very beginning uh, aphorisms of the uh, Vedanta Sutra and showing that those aphorisms are are consistent with the very beginning, the very beginning of the Bhagavatam, the first very first verse contains those very same points. So he's he's showing us, and here's where you can see those similarities. So we'll continue here looking towards what Jiva is saying, keeping in mind the fact that he's bringing out those similarities. The first of the Brahma Sutras, now therefore inquiry should be made into the absolute truth. Atato Brahma Jignasa. That's the very first verse of the Vedanta Sutra or the Brahma Sutra, whichever you want to call it is explained by the second half of the verse, beginning with Tejo Vari Mridam, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Janmad Yasya Yato Nyanyad, Itaritas Charthu Swarat, Taini Brahma Hridaya Adi Kavaye, Mu Yanti Yat Suraya, Tejo Vari Mridam Yatha, Vadimayo Yatra Trisargo Mrisa Dharma Swena Sada Narista Kahatkam Satyam Param Di Mahi. So that's the first verse of the Bhagavat Purana. Just so these words that are in this verse are going to come up as Jiva proceeds. So, Atato Brahma Jignasa is explained by the second half of the verse, second meaning the second half of the first verse of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Beginning with Teno, Tejo, I'm sorry, Vari Mridam. Tejo Mari Mridam. This part of the verse, which contains the subject Param, logically comes first. Because the subject is to be treated first through syntactical readjustment. In this regard, Vyas clarifies the meaning of inquiry into the absolute truth, Brahma Jignasa, by the words Param Dimahi, let us meditate on the Supreme. So you'll notice this in in verses, in Sanskrit verses, that when they're translated into English, the last 
words in the verse end up at the beginning of the translation. So, I don't know enough about Sanskrit to be able to explain how that works, but we're given a clue here that there's a, a syntactical readjustment in order to convey the meaning in English. It's just rearranged properly for the English language because the subject is coming at the end of the verse. Yeah, we have our subject at the end. Satyam param dimahi. O my Lord, Sri Krishna, son of Vasudeva, O all-pervading personality of Godhead, I offer my respectful obeisances unto you. I meditate upon Lord Sri Krishna because he is the absolute truth and the primeval cause of all causes, of the creation, sustenance, and destruction of the manifested universe. So that's at the very beginning in the English translation. Jiva is saying, when you hear Brahma Jignasu, now let us inquire. Well, that's the same as the Bhagavatam's first verse saying, Param Dimahi. Let us inquire, let us meditate. Well, what are we doing when we're meditating? We're trying to enter into an understanding. So we're inquiring, please let me fully understand the object of meditation. So that's that's the correlation that Jiva Goswami's making here. Jiva Goswami continues, the Supreme Param refers to Sri Bhagavan, and Dimahi means let us meditate upon. In this way, by its unrestricted primary meeting, Brahman, which is the totality, due to its immensity, Brihatva, is also beyond everything. As the sun is in fact identical with its rays and also superior to them. Brahman is naturally everything and yet distinct from and superior param to everything. To disclose this original feature of the Absolute, the word Brahman is being explained by the word param. Jiva is saying the word Brahman is being expressed or explained through the word param. The intention here, Jiva saying, is that Brahman is nothing other than Bhagavan, since the Purusha, or Paramatma, is but his part. An unqualified Brahman is devoid of attributes such as form. Therefore, the word param cannot refer either to Paramatma or Brahman. So he's saying in the first verse of the Bhagavatam, this word param means the Bhagavan manifestation. We know that according to the mode of the worshipper, as expressed in that verse, Vadanti tat tatva vidas tatvam yanamadvayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavaniti sabjate. So as these great sages and rishis and spiritualists look upon the Supreme Absolute Truth, they look from their own angles of vision and that one non-different conception can be looked at differently by these nomenclatures, Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. But in this verse, first verse 
of the Bhagavatam, Jiva's pointing out, the param there is not referring to Brahman and it's not referring to Paramatma. It's referring to Bhagavan. So now he's going to give some inf- some information to substantiate his claim. Then he, Jiva Goswami continues in his Anacheda. The Ramanuj, Sri Ramanujacharya has also commented, the term Brahman is applicable to anything that possesses the quality of greatness. But it primarily denotes that which, by its essential nature, as well as by its qualities, possesses this greatness to an infinite degree, and such is only the supreme controller of all, Sarveshwar. So by using this term in his commentary to the first, you know, he's saying that this term Brahman has to be the same as Sarveshwar, the supreme controller. And this is from his Bhashya, Ramanuja's own commentary to the first verse of the Vedanta Sutra. He arrives at his own conclusion and Jiva Goswami's using Ramanuja's conclusion, Sri Ramanujacharya's conclusion, as evidence to the fact this is what's there in the... So why, why, why would we see a difference in the Bhagavatam's use of the word param? Atato Brahma Jignasa because Jivas equated the word Brahma with a personality, a personal aspect of the Supreme. Jiva continues. Now he quotes from the Bhagavatam again, quoting from the fourth canto, the uh, from the Prachetas. So the Prachetas have been enlivened by Lord enlightened by Lord Shiva. Lord Shiva gave them a meditation, a mantra, extensive mantra. They were instructed to go out and create progeny and they wanted to make sure they had all their ducks in a row before they took on that task because this is at the beginning of the universal manifestation and they took that instruction uh, seriously. In taking it seriously, they went off to meditate and along the way, guess what? They, They received some direction from Lord Shiva So this is what they say. Because there is no limit, Anta, to your opulences, you are therefore celebrated as the unlimited, Ananta. For this reason, although Bhagavan has unlimited forms, each with their own enchanting beauty, it is also implied that he has one supremely astonishingly primary form, Para. That is the support of all the others. Once it has been established in this manner that the absolute para is intrinsically endowed with form, it is thereby concluded that the absolute is none other than Bhagavan, having forms such forms such as Vishnu, by the very same reason of superiority, because he alone is described as superior para to Brahma. Shiva, and so on. So that concludes Jiva Goswami's first 
little subsection of the 105th Anacheta. So he's established, he's established, he began by saying, you know, the Lord is equal, and we've gone over that, and let me just leave you with this. So he begins this Anacheta by saying, let me leave you with this. It's just like the rain cloud. And everybody has become their own fruit. We've all become the fruit of our past actions. So we have, we are a fruit in the mode of goodness, passion, or ignorance that is ready to be enjoyed by our future actions. And that reaction will be experienced through our karma. But the Lord, He's equally distributing himself to all living entities and respective of the kind of karma and remember one of the one of the aspects of karma is considered bija seed so we're about to enjoy the fruits of our action and the material environment is about to be the soil in which we will be planted because we've now got a new body, and that new body is growing, growing, beginning, growing, enjoying having a byproduct, growing old, and then... But all that's through the agency of karma. But you can't blame that on the Supreme. His mercy is being distributed just like a rain cloud. And the fact that you are a good or a bad seed, he had not, that's, that's something that you, you produced, the seed you are, and you will produce the future seed you will become from this life to the next life to the next life. So however you're watered by the environment is irrespective of that. And it's interesting because Baladev Vidyabhushan also in his Basha to the Vedanta Sutra he brings out this point that it's nature not nurture. And you know what his evidence is? You could have two jivas that are in the exact same environment and one is a good jiva and one is a bad jiva. So you can't say that the soil of the environment has more influence than the karma. In fact, we would say that you're coming into a particular environment is also a result of karma because we can see, practically speaking, that living entities are born into different cultures at different points in time and because of that culture and because of that point in time then they're enjoying or suffering the fruits of their prior actions. But irrespective of that, you can still see within the same environment 
two different in two different experiences, one good and one bad, in the same household. One twin's having a heck of a good time, and the other twin is, uh, you know, suffering like anything. They came in the same household, they were raised the same way, and you know, one's suffering and one's enjoying. So that's his point. It's all karma. It's all karma. So Bhagavad is equal to all. We've gone over that. And there are six what criteria upon which we can judge the subject of a book. And as this Anucheta unfolds, he's going to go through these criteria and show evidence from the Bhagavatam itself that the subject is only Bhagavan. And now he's bringing us to, he's showing us in this very beginning that the Bhagavatam from the very beginning is giving the same knowledge as presented in the Vedanta Sutra. And then this concluding with this this fact that this beginning of the Bhagavatam, again, he's establishing the validity of the Bhagavatam in relationship to conventional means, and he's also establishing it in relationship to other spiritual means, that the subject can only be Bhagavan that manifestation of the Supreme Godhead. So, Sachamparam Dimahi, let us meditate again about Param Dimahi, and that Param can only be the Bhagavan manifestation, not the Brahman manifestation or the Paramatma manifestation. Jiva Goswami continues. So this inquiry signifies meditation on Bhagavan. Sutra 1.1.1 Janmadhyasya Yataha In this verse, the word Dimahi is offered as an explanation of the word Jignasa from the first Brahma Sutra. Because the purpose of inquiry, Jignasa, into the Absolute is nothing other than meditation on Him. This is affirmed by Bhagavan Krishna himself in the 11th canto. So he quotes from Krishna's instructions to Uddhava there. If one has mastered the study of the Vedic mantras, Sabda Brahman, but has not immersed himself in the supreme truth, Pare, then the reward for his hard work is nothing but the labor itself like that of a person caring for a dry cow. If you are not seeing through your study of the mantras, Subdhamraman, of the Vedas, the worshipable object of the Vedas, then what of what value is your study? There's no spiritual nutrition no value in that study, you have the reward of the study itself. 
a little reward. At least you, it kept you out of trouble. <laughs> you, you, were, you were out of the, the fray of material involvement while you were studying the Vedas. But if you're not, if you didn't have, if the toolage was not there, the competent teacher just studying the, the mantras of the Vedas, you're not going to get the essence. You walk away with no reward. You know, you talk about reward. You look at the Bhagavatam. You read through the Bhagavatam. And I, I think sometimes we miss it. You know, hopefully not. But as you read through the narration of the Bhagavatam, time and time and time again, the benedictions, and remember, the Bhagavatam is a literary incarnation of the Supreme Himself. Time and again, after you finish one narration, the Bhagavatam bestows blessings upon you for those that hear this narration, for those that read it in the morning and the evening, for those who who enter it, who, for those that remember it, for those that speak it to someone else. And then there's a whole list. Unlimited wealth, pleasure on the heavenly planets, you know, and one important thing, and pure devotional service. Pure devotional service. Pure devotional service, again and again, is, is this benediction that this manifestation of the Supreme Lord is bestowing on us just entering into the message of the Bhagavat Purana again and again. It's really amazing. Jiva Goswami continues. Thus, by its use of the word Dimahi, it can be concluded that this book called Sri Bhagavatam, which is the essence of all the Vedas, accepts as its own the opinion expressed by Sri Ramanuja that Jignasa means Nididhyasana, or profound and repeated meditation. The use of the plural in Dimahi means that it is incumbent upon, on all people existing in different times, places, and traditions to meditate only on the complete whole, Sri Bhagavan, who is the source of all Purushas, his integrated self-expansions, who are imminent within each of the unlimited universes. By this, the philosophy called Vivartavad, whose central tenet is that there is only one Jiva, is refuted. Remember Vivartavad? the theory of illusion, we're all one supreme conscious Brahman, so we're, we're all one, basically, and if you think you're not one, it's a magician's trick on you. You've been tricked by Maya to think that you're an individual, that you have an individuated consciousness, and as soon as the magician, or you yourself, because you're the one that has to come to the conclusion through knowledge, yawn, that you're more than that. That really, you're everything. That's what Jeeva's expressing here, this idea of, 
there's only one jiva because there's only one brahman so we're all we're all jiva but we're all brahman there's also a conception of the of the jivas being all one before they're completely dispersed, but that's a different conception. The Hiranyagarbha, the one jiva, but that's that's part of that's another discussion. It's another manifestation of the components and the evolvement of the universe. So terminology means a lot. <laughs> terminology and the application of the terminology and and where and how we understand it you know in one respect yeah okay we understand that there is the Hiranyagarbha manifest where the jivas are all together they're all together in a different sense before the differentiation of being impregnated throughout the unlimited bodies that Brahma's coming up with at the beginning of the manifestation. He's he's got a big job, okay. <laughs> Gotta place all these jivas and all these appropriate bodies. Well he needs the bodies. Problem. No bodies. Oh, progenitors. <laughs> and then he has to come on, everybody. So he's he's manifesting these personalities. Some of these persons are like, no, I'm not having nothing to do with that. <laughs> You know, the Kamars? Uh-uh. No. No. Uh-uh. We're not going to do that. Brahmachari forever. Thank you very much. In fact, we're not even be- going to come to a stage in our material manifest existence where we will even have the option of producing any offspring. We'll stick at five years. Nothing beyond that. We know poop puberty we don't have to worry about any of that. We're, we're just going to stick at this young age. Uh, that'll be fine. <laughs> and we see, you know, then you have a Nara to come along with, you know, other progenitors are trying to make a, a, a thousand offspring and then go forth and multiply. And Nara says, no, well, let me tell you something. There's more to life than multiplying. <laughs> so we'll continue uh, with this second subsection in our next discussion. All right, thank you very much for your association.